Everybody, welcome to This Good Word, episode 17. The word this week is monsters. I want to talk about the monsters that we'll all have to face someday. These monsters might have grown out of abuse or failure, maybe loneliness or conflict, but they are there for all of us. They taunt us, they try to silence us, but today I want to talk about what it takes to face them. I want to tell the story of an insignificant kid who had to face his monster and what happened to him. I want to outline the process of facing your monsters so that you can do it well. This is a really important time for all of us. This is a really important time in our history to face some monsters. And this is a topic that we all need to do the uncomfortable work of thinking about and doing our work on. So without any further ado, I want to jump right into it. About maybe 10 years ago, I was pulling away from this pizza place. I had gotten some pizza for me and Mary. We didn't have any kids at that point. And as I was pulling out of this little strip mall, I looked to the right and I saw this darling little girl in a yellow raincoat. She had dark hair curly ringlets falling around her shoulders. She was wearing boots. And her father, I assume it was, was sort of kneeling by her. And as I looked closely, I was sitting at a stoplight. As I looked closely, he had his left arm wrapped around her right arm. And then with his right hand, he was repeatedly striking her, hitting her around the shoulders, She was looking down. It was awful. I was frozen in my car, the smell of pizza wafting around me, the normal day shining around me. But she, this little girl, was being abused, and I didn't know what to do. I should have called 911. I should have stopped. I don't know what I should have done. But instead of doing any of those things, I drove away with a sick feeling in my stomach. I drove away not knowing what to do. I drove away feeling afraid. I drove away feeling hopeless for this little girl and all little girls in yellow raincoats who get abused and all people in their own version of yellow raincoats who get abused. And I felt horrible. And so... um, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about what it takes to face your monsters. Maybe you weren't abused. Maybe you were. Maybe your monster has to do with a failure that you experienced. Maybe it is something that you feel is just way too big to face. Maybe it's a disability that you have. Maybe it's a hope that you have, but it feels so enormously large, there's no way you can face it. I want to talk today about learning how to face it. I do want to give a shout out to Chris in San Rafael, just north of San Francisco. You won the book last week. Chris, so great to hear from you. Uh, So great to read your email. Thank you so much. And uh, I want to encourage all of you to check out the show notes for this week. They're found at steveweens.com backslash blog. You can find the show notes for This Good Word, Episode 17, Monsters. I'll include any references I make during this podcast, any things that I think you need to get 
And also, I want to tell you, we have two more books to give away. The contest is rolling. I want to, I want to sign a book for you. I want to send it to you. You just have to email me and tell me why you need it. Could be a funny reason. Could be a serious reason. Could be a Facebook tag, Twitter tag, Instagram tag. Just let me know why you need to read my book right now. Uh, why you need me to send it to you. Okay, let's get back into monsters. I want to tell a story found in the scriptures. Very familiar story, but there's some details that I think maybe you don't know. It's the story of David and Goliath. But I think some of the most familiar stories in scriptures are so familiar that they end up being unfamiliar. So let me tell the story. Let me bring out some areas that you might not have known, and it's going to help us face our own monsters. So the main character in the story, his name is David. He was the eighth son to a man named Jesse, but uh, he is called in this story the Hebrew word katan. And katan means youngest, but it also means the most insignificant. It means unimportant. It means forgotten. So if you are the katan, you are the runt of the litter, you are the forgotten one, you are not important, you are not to be viewed as one of the normal kids. Uh, And in this story... Samuel the prophet has been told by God to go to Jesse's house to anoint the new king. King Saul is about to be ousted by God because he has turned evil according to the scriptures, and so it's time to anoint a new king. Samuel marches over to Jesse's house, asks Jesse to see his sons. Jesse parades out seven of his sons, and they are all just these good-looking, tall, ruddy, amazing young men. And Samuel thinks it's the first one for sure because he is so kingly in appearance, but it isn't. And it isn't the second son, and it's not the third son, it's not the fourth son, it's not the fifth son, sixth son, or the seventh son. And Samuel is standing there, sort of, I picture him as as, as a sort of Gandalf character, wizened and wise, maybe a little quirky, maybe halitosis on his breath, who knows. But uh, he says to Jesse, do you have any more sons? And Jesse thinks for a while, and he knows, of course, that he has another son. Everyone knows that he has another son, but he's the Catan. He's David. He's the youngest. He's the insignificant one. He's the runt of the litter who's out tending sheep. And so Samuel commands Jesse to bring him in. And so he does that. David comes in. Maybe he hasn't been in the house for days If he's around sheep, he smells of sheep, and that would have been the smell of shame. I want you to think about that. Have any of you been surrounded by the smell of shame? Maybe not from sheep, but from something else, abuse, disability, uh, failure, whatever it is, when you are around people, they can smell it, you can smell it, and it brings all kinds of shame. Well, that's David. And he stands there, and Samuel knows immediately that it is he who uh, God wants to anoint as king, and so he does. He pours the oil on his forehead. He anoints him king. Even though it's going to be probably 15 years before David actually becomes king, he's anointed king in that moment, the Catan who becomes king. And then he's sent back out to care for the sheep. It's so interesting because sometimes in our lives, uh, God gives us an important task. God gives us a new thing to do, but it is not the time to do it yet. So we have to go back and do our normal life. We have to go back and tend our sheep until it is time. And this is so brutal. It's so uh, hard, but there it is right in the scriptures. And so the Catan has to go back and do the Catan tasks. 
Well, time passes in the story, and the seven sons are sent off to war. The Israelites are about to fight the Philistines. They're having this battle, uh, this would-be battle, but there's a hulking giant named Goliath who's standing in the valley. He's actually, uh, Goliath is, he is suggesting something quite humane. Instead of hundreds and thousands of soldiers killing each other, he's saying, hey, let's go mano y mano. Let's go me against you. Let's fight um, a civilized fight. Just send out any one of your soldiers and I will fight him and may the best man win. So Goliath is taunting the Israelites and he is scaring them to death. And so David is sent by his father, Jesse, to bring out bread and cheese. No kidding, he's sent out to bring out bread and cheese. And also to find out about how the battle is going, to find out about how Jesse's other sons are doing. And he runs into the buzzsaw of his older brother, Eliab. It's so interesting. And the first thing he gets from his brother is not, thanks for coming. It's not, hey, you know, we could really use some encouragement around here. It is shame. He, uh, The oldest brother of David basically says, who are you and why did you come out here? I know why you came out here. Uh, you, you came out here because your heart is evil. And then he asks him, who is tending the sheep? And it's just this dagger of shame right into his heart. And then, but David has some strength in him. He goes right past his older brother and he goes to King Saul, gets an audience with King Saul and he says, I want to fight this man, this giant named Goliath. And Saul says, who are you? This, this giant has been uh, fighting since he was a young boy, and all you've been doing is being a shepherd. I mean, the shame that's surrounding this shepherd boy, this, this katan, is just amazing. It's amazing that he ever got past his father, let alone his brother, but he gets all the way to the king, and he gets past the king too, and the king says, all right, I'll let you fight this guy, but you got to be armed. And so he brings out his own armor and his own sword, and it's way too big for David. David's probably 14, maybe 15 years old at the time, and he tries it on, but it doesn't fit. And I think we've all been been in these moments where someone else gives us armor that does not fit for the battle that we have. We can't use someone else's armor. And so King Saul tries to put the armor on him, but David refuses. It's so interesting. He just he shows so many signs of strength, this katan. And you gotta wonder where the strength came from, right? I mean. He spent his life alone, isolated with sheep, and um, probably he has written many of the Psalms, isolated out on those fields with those sheep. And of course, we know that's where his strength comes from, but nobody else knows it. Uh, he's fought bears, he's fought lions. I mean, and that's what it says in the scriptures. I know it's kind of unbelievable, but uh, there it is right there. And so David says to King Saul, I will fight this giant, but I will have to do it using the gifts that I have. And so he reaches down into this small brook, this stream, and he pulls out five stones, puts them in his little pouch, and he brings out his sling, marches out to face the giant, armed only with who he is and what he has. Five smooth stones, so interesting. And he ends up, as the story goes, defeating Goliath with one of the stones, and then raising up the, the giant's own sword and chopping his head off. I mean, it's sort of a gruesome story, and um, But there he is, David faces down the giant that not only was taunting him, but was taunting his, the entire Israelite army. His entire family was being taunted by this giant that was a monster of stultifying strength. 
uh, covered in bronze, covered in in his own armor, and it looked like no one could ever defeat him. But the insignificant one, the small one, the runt who knew his own strength, who knew the God that could give him strength, he was the one that defeated him. So let's take out some takeaways from this. What does it take to face your own monster? And again, I started the story with the girl in the yellow raincoat as awful and gruesome as that is, because I feel like so many of us have experienced things that feel like they are so big, and there they sit and they taunt us. You'll never get over this. You'll never get past this. You'll never be whole again. You'll never experience a kind of normal life again because this thing that was taken from you. Again, maybe it was abuse. Maybe it was failure. Maybe it is something that just feels so gargantuan that you'll never get beyond it. But the story in the scriptures is not primarily about violence. It's not primarily about one army defeating another army. It's about you and me, the insignificant ones, the Catans who feel like we are surrounded in the shame of the smell of sheep, the ones who feel like we'll never get anywhere, the ones who feel like we'll never be whole, the ones who feel like we're isolated, left alone, on our own. It's a story for us. It's a story for those of us who feel like we cannot win. It's a story about facing down our monsters, armed only with vulnerability. It's about rejecting the armor that doesn't fit. It's about believing that there is a God who can face it with us. So the first thing you need to know about your monster, whatever it is, is that it will taunt you. It will taunt you. And if you listen to the taunts long enough, it will knock you down and out. So you need to be, you need to join David, this Catan, who had nothing to lose. Covered in the smell of shame and sheep, David said, no way am I going to let the taunts of this monster take me out because I belong to a God that is bigger and stronger than any monster that could ever face me. And I will not let the taunts, as big and as scary as they may be, I will not let those taunts take me out. So I think it first starts with a kind of defiant declaration. I will not let the taunts seep into my heart. I will stand against them, not because I'm strong in myself, but because I follow a God who stands up for the oppressed, who stands up for the marginalized, who hears the cries of God's people and responds. This is the kind of God that is represented best in the person of Jesus of Nazareth, the very picture, the face of God who continually stands up for the ones who are the Catans, the left out, the no good, the unimportant, the marginalized. This God, seen in the face of Jesus, is continually standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves. It's beautiful. And we need to stand up in the strength of that tradition and the strength of that God. We need to stand up to the taunts and not let them knock us down. It's really interesting. We can get this right from the story. We typically first, when we stood up to the taunts of our monster, we have to go through our family. I don't know why this is true, but we typically have to go through our family. Our family many times sees us 
as the youngest or whatever it is, or maybe as the oldest. Maybe our family sees us as the rescuer. Our family might see us as the one that's going to save everybody, or it might see us as the black sheep, or it might see us as the comedian. It might see us, our family likes to give us roles. Uh, most families have many different roles, and um, these roles are primarily pejorative, and they're ways to keep the system together, and the system is primarily and usually broken. So you're occupying a role, uh, propping up the giant, the family system that's kind of keeping everybody else down and keeping the secret secret. So when you try to break the secret, when you decide that you're no longer going to be taunted by the giant, by the monster's voice of fear, when you come against it, you're going to be silenced by your family. I, 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 this is just the way it is. And um, it, it, is, it, is, it is really scary to stand up for your, to your family. But David had to do it. He had to stand up to his father first. And then his older brother, who, I mean, read about it, 1 Samuel 17, I mean, it's really, really a, a gruesome story. And it's so shaming. But David stands up to his father, stands up to his brother, does it with, with honor, does it with grace, but he does it. And he gets by his brother. And then it's really interesting. You have to get by authority. You're going to find yourself in a system, and you're going to find yourself uh, saying some things about the system exposing some secrets. It's just the same thing as your family system, but now you're exposing the secrets of maybe the workplace, maybe the church, maybe the system of your, of your city, of your denomination, of your church. I mean, who knows what it is? And let me tell you, David did this with grace, with humility. He took the time to do it well. He didn't f fly off the handle. He didn't accuse people. He just softly but strongly said no more. We are not going to let the taunts of this monster, which is keeping us all down, continue to rule the day because this monster has knocked us down enough, David said. So David had to stand up to authority and you're going to have to as well. If you're carrying a secret, if you're going to expose something that needs to be exposed, if you're going to face the monster down, it's not going to be easy. You're going to need to do it with strength, with vitality. You're going to need to be strong and very courageous. You're going to need to do it with some friends who are for you and with you, but you're going to need to do it. You're going to need to go through your family. You're going to need to go through authority. You're going to need to do it with humility. I can't say that enough. We have had it with uh, the cowboys that are out there to change the world and save the world and fix everything and change everything. Listen, if that's your attitude and if you're going against your family and going against authority with all the hubris and arrogance of, you know, you just need to stop yourself, check yourself. But if you're going it with the spirit of David, who really, his, his heart was to set people free, then you're going to do it with humility, and you're going to do it with patience, but you're going to do it with strength. Then you're going to have to reject the armor that doesn't fit you. Uh, you're going to step into some of these realities and you're going to be looking for ways to do it, but there's going to be only examples of other people, which are sometimes helpful, but Saul's armor doesn't help David and someone else's armor isn't going to help you. Uh, Steve Weens' armor is not going to help you. Uh, the, the armor of the previous generation is not going to help me. It's not going to help you. You're going to have to find out what, how you need to face your monster. And typically, and with David... It is with vulnerability. You can read the works of Brene Brown on this, The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, 
uh, her most recent book. Uh, it's all, uh, I'll put those on my show notes. If you want to face down your monster, you're going to have to do it with vulnerability. For David, it was no armor. It was reaching down into a brook and pulling out five smooth stones because that's what he did. He practiced with that little sling his whole life. Uh, he took out, you know, who knows, bears, lions. Uh, he would, I imagine him throwing rocks against trees um, in, in order to get to be just a perfect marksman. And so that's what he did. I and mean, then he got to be deadly with that thing. And so he faced the monster with who he was. And you're going to have to face your monster armed only with who you are as well. And the strength of a God that stands up for the marginalized, for the oppressed, for the Catans everywhere. So you're going to have to know if you're going to face your monster. It's going to taunt you. You have to stand up to those taunts. You're going to have to go through your family. I don't know why that is, uh, but for most of us, we have to go through our families and break through our roles, break through the family system. And then we're going to have to go through authority, but you're going to have to do it uh, with humility, with grace, with patience, uh, not with the arrogance of a cowboy. Please promise me you're not going to do that. But then you're going to have to reject the armor of other people that doesn't fit you and doesn't work for you. You're going to have to do it with vulnerability, armed with who you are and what God made you to be. And we're going to find out more about how to do that next week on the podcast. Um, I've, you know, I've been going through my book week by week here. Uh, day one, light. Day two, expanse. Day three, seeds. Day four, seasons. Day five is monsters, learning how to face them. Day six is us, but it's all about really discovering who you are and whose image you are made and whose name you have. And so it's all this big progression about how to, how to enter into the new beginnings in your life that's going to bring hope to you and hope to the world. And that's really my declaration in this book, how to believe that the God who is always about making all things new how to believe that that God is continually bringing new beginnings in the world, in our lives, even in the darkest of times. So friends, what's taunting you? Maybe it's the voice of abuse. Maybe it's the voice of failure. Maybe it's the size of your dream. It feels way too big. Maybe it's old voices that are calling you names and knocking you out, taunting you, making you believe you're not enough. What do you need to face those monsters? Do you need counseling? Do you need to set some new boundaries, have some new no's? Do you need to have some new yeses? Do you need to create some new patterns in your life so that you can stand up to these monsters? Do you need to diagnose what kind of armor that you've been wearing that really hasn't helped and hasn't fit? Do you need to take off that armor? Do you need to stand up to your family? Or stand up to authority. What do you need to do to face these monsters? Friends, I want to encourage you. I mean, I write all about this in, in my book, Beginnings, especially on day five. It's titled Monsters. So think about ordering the book. Think about ordering two books and going through it with some friends, going through it with maybe the staff at, at your church. I'd love to help you uh, on this to find creative ways to do this. Uh, so you can find links to buy the book on my show notes. It comes out January 1st, so it's really getting close here. You can find some books to the links to the Brene Brown book. Um, you can also find a link to what's blowing my mind. 
and a couple of my friends are in a band called Gray Shot, and they're releasing a new record. And I've heard one of the tracks. It is incredible. It is awesome. And um, there's a link I'm going to put on my show notes so you can pre-order it. And why would you pre-order it? Well, for bands like uh, Gray Shot, indie bands, and authors like me, it really helps to get a sense of momentum, to get people to pre-order the book, to pre-order the CD. Uh, you can get a digital, uh, you'll, you'll get access to the, to the digital version as well as an actual CD. You can pay to have them sign it, which is super cool. Um, but the reason why we do this for some of these indie artists is to say, hey, we need art in the world that reflects beauty and God's goodness. And these guys are doing all of that. We need to say yes to artists who are doing the hard work, especially musicians these days, you guys. They, they, they make hardly anything. Um, some of these sharing things are, are great ways to share music um, via Spotify and stuff, but in, in, that's all good. I use it. There comes a time where you have to order people's music. And so I've ordered uh, my friend's album, Gray Shot. I want to encourage you to do it too. Man, wouldn't it be great if we just... I think they, I think they need 44 more pre-orders to complete their, um, their goal of getting... I don't know how many it is. Maybe it's 100. But let's just blow that away, man. Let's let you guys, this good word listeners, let's show that we encourage indie artists to, to create art and beauty and music. Okay, this will be one of the ways that we face down our monsters by saying yes to beauty, saying yes to art, saying yes to music. So it's good, everybody. Uh, This was a heavy podcast. Uh, I felt the heaviness even in myself bringing it because I think there's just so many monsters out there. But my heart is to help you to face them. So let's face them together. I got my own monsters I need to face. Friends, we're in it together. We really are dust and breath. We're limited and limitless. We're human and holy, and we really are in it together. I'm so grateful to all of you who are listening all around the world. We're going to keep putting out this good word. I'm going to keep writing my blog. Um, When this book comes out, actually, there's another book I'm starting. I'm going to carve out some time in January, uh, and I already am excited about that. So book number two is on its way. Oh, it's good. Let's keep creating stuff. Let's keep standing up to the taunts of monsters. Let's keep believing that there is a God who is making all things new. And that God is on the side of all of us who are oppressed, marginalized, abused, victimized, which at the end of the day, friends, is all of us everywhere. So let's band together. Let's stand up to the taunts of our monsters. Let's fight with vulnerability because we're in it together. Grace and peace, friends.